Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic University Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Kent, on the third, and we have returned because Quantum Mania is very, very close. In fact, it's about a week away as we get ready for this huge movie to kick off Phase 5 in the MCU. Jay Christie is our co-host on this show, the super producer. We're back once again together. Jake, how are you? I'm doing well. Excited. It's just seven days until we're back. We'll rack at the quantum realm. Yes, yes, we are visiting the quantum realm and seemingly in depth. So before this show, Jake and I had a little discussion about how we were going to preview this thing. And Jake, I'll let you take it away and I will follow. So the way I wanted to preview it, I rewatched the two Ant-Man films last night. And I was thinking about how, you know, while there's all this stuff that's going on, with the quantum realm that we've been looking forward to that's been in other projects. I think a part of this that hasn't really been at the center of it all is these characters, especially the side characters in the Ant-Man movies. Um, Cause while we get, you know, some good Scott Lang stuff in uh, Endgame, these other characters have kind of just been sitting idly by. And this movie I think is going to be a lot about them. And so I want to talk a little bit about where we leave these characters off. Um, and so first and foremost, it's always Scott Lang. I mean, everyone loves Scott Lang. Mm-hmm. I think that he's one of the few fan favorites. Yes, he is, he is the proverbial underdog coming into this thing. Uh, I love the way that Peyton Reed has talked about what this film is going to be for Scott. Like, what do you, what do, you do when you put the, the underdog hero against one of the baddest villains in Marvel history? What does that look like? And I think for Scott, Scott comes into this movie after everything that he experienced in um, Endgame and the end of Ant-Man and the Wasp. He comes in feeling pretty good about himself to a degree that he's selling a book that is actually for sale in real life. So I think there's a lot of there's a lot of fun stuff happening there. And I guess what what he 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 has to deal with here is his relationship with Cassie changing as she has aged due to his time away in the quantum mm-hmm. realm and, and the time advancing and everything like that. So it feels like that's where it starts. And based off of all of the footage that we've seen so far, it seems like that's at the crux of what happens with Kang and how that story gets mm-hmm. involved. So I'm I'm intrigued how they choose to tell that story and how that leads into Scott having this singular hero moment, because I think throughout he's had moments where he's assisted. He's had moments where he stood out captain America, civil war being one of them when he turned giant and stuff like that. And so he's had moments where he's been a huge part of the whole lore of the MCU, but this is kind of spotlight on Scott. So I I like that we get to see that here and we are stripping away pretty much the crew that we've been used to in the first two films that he was working with. And now he's in a situation where it's just he and his family. And in a lot of instances, just he and his daughter. And we kind of get to see Scott in a different light. And I'm excited to see that. See, so two things occurred to me when I was rewatching the movie. I think one of the first things you mentioned is that he's feeling good about himself. He's selling a book. And what I suspect, just based on the way that he deals with getting out of prison and the other bad things in his life, 
is I think in a lot of ways that feeling good about himself selling his book is kind of full of shit. That I don't actually think he's feeling that he he I think he I think that there's a sadness to him hmm. in what he's experienced that to be honest I think has to be explored because the movie's actually just not that interesting if he's actually feeling really good about himself. But I think that because a big part of this, obviously, and you mentioned they mentioned the trailers, is the time that he lost from Cassie. And obviously, it was five years, and people be like, five years, you know, you can make that up. But the thing to understand is he missed the first, like, four and a half years of her life because of prison. So he's missed a majority of her. She's 18 years old, and he's probably been around for, what, like, five years yeah. of that, you know, fully. And so I think that that, I think that there is a sadness to him that we haven't really explored that much. Because it's not his way, you know, and I think it's easy to to bristle at the idea of giving his character a lot of weight because he's so breezy and light. But like, he's also clearly someone who is willing to risk his freedom to, you know, stand up to a evil corporation. Like he's like he's much deeper than I think yeah. people give him credit for. And so the other thing that stuck out to me is like, okay, um, you know. We haven't seen him interact with his daughter in a meaningful way since Ant-Man and the Wasp. Obviously, there's the one scene where he meets her again in Endgame, but that's barely a yeah. scene. And frankly, I'm glad it's barely a scene because it made recasting uh, Cassie again really easy because, no, I don't even remember what the version of her in uh, Endgame looks right. like. But um, I, I think that there's a lot of that. I think we just kind of take it for granted that there are a lot of characters in movies and TV that are motivated by wanting to be with or protect their children. And I think we kind of just like yada yada that like, yes, that's a stock thing. Yeah. But I think that we don't actually take into consideration that like, that is a real thing that is that there's layers to it. It's not as simple as like, I want to protect my child from dying. It's like, I want to be able to be in their life and um, I want to be able to see them. And I think that there's, yeah, like I said, I think that, I'm a little bit skeptical of the idea that everything is coming up aces for Scott Lang because there's not, then there won't be anything for Kang to bargain with. You yeah. know what I mean? Like if his life really is perfect and he's really is feeling good about himself, then what's, what are the bu buttons that the conqueror is going to be pushing? You know? Yeah. I, and I think that's the thing that the MCU does really well is when, because we're invested and because we know so much about Scott already, this is a, you know, if this is the case and he is put into this situation, it really gives us something to look at differently from a different perspective. So I think from that standpoint, if you're, if you see that Scott has a little bit of inner turmoil here, and then this is what the villain uses to kind of, you know, bend him to his will, then yeah, that's something incredibly compelling. Yeah. I, I, and I think, like I said, I think that there's going to be more to it. And I also think that when you have a character like Scott having inner turmoil, it's always, it, it, it there's, it's not always, but there is the opportunity to make it more interesting than just a character who a character who is always on the surface experiencing turmoil is only so interesting to watch go through turmoil. Right. Um, but someone who is the guy who is you know never letting him never letting him see him sweat, I think is the type of person where when you see them sweat, it's obviously. Um, it's more interesting. And even in the trailers, we've seen Ant-Man sweat more than we've seen him in anything else. Yeah, it's legitimately... Um, I mean, I, I think it's legitimately the couple of little brief spots that where Scott tries to play it off with Kang that, oh, I'm an Avenger, like, everything's cool, mm -hmm. whatever. Like, stand up, and Kang just looks at him like he's nothing. And that... Mm -hmm. See, that interplay 
and seeing Scott threatened in that way and forced to do stuff, there this is where you can get the meatier part of the movie and really sink your teeth into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm really curious to see how Paul Rudd pulls it off. I mean, the thing about Paul Rudd is he's one of those guys who everyone you would assume that he was like a comedian, but he was just an actor who happened to be really good at comedies. Um, and so I, I I have confidence in his ability to do it, but it's gonna be really interesting to see. Um, and like I said, yeah, we we've seen definitely have seen the most of him since Ant Man and the Wasp. Yeah. But I think that um, we haven't really spent a lot of time with him, you know. We haven't spent – all the interactions we've really seen him have since Ant-Man and the Wasp have been with characters he didn't know before. So we really don't get a good vibe of where he's at. Um, and speaking of characters he knew before, the the second, you know, the, the second titular character, of course, mm-hmm. is the Wasp. Hope Van Dyne, who we saw briefly in the final fight of Endgame, yeah. but mostly we haven't really seen her since Ant-Man and the Wasp when she got uh, blipped. And um, I think that there's a lot of places they can go with her. I think that it's it's interesting that it those the um, Scott and Hope are kind of like just canonically just they're just a couple in these movies. Yeah. Like if you think of the, it's like Pepper and Tony, uh, Scott and Hope, like they're just the you think of them as being canonically a couple, but on screen, you, they're really never together at all. Like, they don't really get together until the end of the first Ant-Man, and then the plot of the second one is that they're broken up for most of it. So it is, I think, interesting the fact that we really haven't seen them function as two people who are together. And so that is something that I'm interested in seeing uh, in the movie, because we kind of just take it for granted that they have a good relationship. Well, we spent a, a good portion of Ant-Man and the Wasp having hope search for her mom and realizing that her mom was out there. We now kind of get to see what happens after that. What is that relationship after the amount of time that Jan has spent in the realm and how has their relationship changed? How has the relationship with not only um, Hope and and Jan, but Hope and Hank, it's a different dynamic now Mm -hmm. with, with Jan being back. And clearly, as we've mentioned jokingly in other uh, 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 quantum mania previews wow. and stuff like that it, it feels like jan has a little bit of something to hide as far as what her mm-hmm. time in the quantum realm was so you mentioned the scott factor that is a fair point mm-hmm. but at least seemingly from what i've seen it seems like scott's going to be spending a lot of his time with cassie in this film mm-hmm. and it seems like hope is going to be spending a good portion of her time with her parents mm-hmm. so yeah while that relationship portion, uh, more importantly, I want I will love to see the teamwork between Hope and Scott mm-hmm. kind of illustrate itself in this movie. But where it seems like Hope's story is going to go is, you know, continuing on and trying to figure out her relationship with her mother and the fact that it was that long that she hasn't yeah. she hadn't seen a her. thing. A thing I forgot that they mention in, um. Ant Man and the Wasp. And actually, I think the first time I that, like, and for some reason in my mind, mm-hmm. I thought of her as older when it happened, but she was seven years old when, uh, when Janet died. Yeah. And just the idea of, like, the relationship I had with my mom when I was seven, obviously, is a completely different thing. Like, it's, if she was like 11, it'd be different because, like, I feel like you just know your, she barely knew her mother. The, the, the information I knew about my mom when I was seven is like nothing, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, I think that is complicated in that we, we see in Ant-Man and the Wasp, you see the bit where they're reunited and the scenes are about, you know, the love that Janet has for Hope. But like, 
that's not something you can have a conversation about. You know, like eventually <laughs> they're going to start interacting as people. Right. And and we don't know what happened to Janet's brain. She was, I mean, obviously we, we get the uh, idea from the trailers that she was doing stuff, you know, maybe canoodling with some conquerors, who knows. Um, <laughs> she was doing stuff in the quantum realm, but she was effectively in like a prison for 30 years. Yeah. And when people got out of prison after 30 years, it's not... The, the the day when their kids meet them outside of the prison is all hugs and smiles, but it's not always like that. And I think that there's a really interesting way that Hope, what she can learn about her mother, because she really didn't know anything about her before she mm-hmm. went to the quantum realm. And now she's a completely different person because she was in the quantum realm, which brings us to the next person, Dr. Hank Pym, mm-hmm. played by the great Michael Douglas, um, who, you know... His, I think a lot of his stuff is obviously going to be about Janet because he, his greatest regret was, you know, losing her. Yeah. But then you can almost say that his greatest triumph was creating a technology to get her back. And so, like, it's not, if you blame yourself for getting someone marooned in the quantum realm, you'll feel bad about it. And then when you get them back, you'll feel good. But, there is never not going to be a part of you that's like, I still, my mistake still marooned her for 30 years. Even though she's back now, I still took away 30 years from you. And I think that that's an interesting tension that I think we're going to get. So Michael Douglas is a funny guy. I saw the saw some of the red carpet stuff at the Quantumania premiere the other day. And a question was asked of Michael. He said, oh, would you come back for a fourth Ant-Man movie? And he says, and his response is he goes, well, do I get to die in the next one? Which kind of tells you where his his mindset is at. He may be a little bit long in the tooth and we maybe wanted to make his exit. He is, I believe, 79 years old. Yeah. So don't really blame him. Um, I, I also, and not that you're doing this, but I really don't enjoy the people who don't know any entertainment except for comic book stuff which as you know my least favorite people in the world (laughs) who don't understand that like these movies dominate culture and everything they dominate the box office Mm -hmm. everyone talks about them it is not an injustice that the very well-paid old guys that are in them don't care like i I, michael douglas does not have to give one shit about the mcu i he the fact that he shows up and delivers the lines we should be grateful for that the man has oscars yes so I'm just saying, I know that you're not saying that. No, all, I'm, not, all, I'm actually like, not. I just found it. I know, I know you're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. of course. But it's, I was always like, people like, oh my God, Michael Douglas is like, what's phase five? It's like, good. He has, you know, he's got kids, you know, that he, he, I think he lives on an island with Catherine Zeta Jones. You know, he survived cancer. He does not need to know what phase five is, guys. I'm, I'm mostly saying this because we're going to get so much of Harrison Ford doing this when he is doing the press cycle. And I can't. People better not get mad at Harrison Ford for not getting Oh, I love, I already, by the way, as a digression, I love the quote yeah. that Harrison gave. He said, he, yeah. it seems like they're all having fun over there. So I figure, why not? Let me just get involved. <laughs> yeah, I truly, I think that we have, I care a lot about stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think caring a lot about stuff is something that used to be something to be embarrassed about. And I think we swung, we might've swung too far where sometimes there's some stuff people don't have to care about everything. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's my little soapbox. Uh, but yeah, Hank Pym. Yeah. Hank Pym is interesting. Excited I, to see him. I, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll just say this about Hank. Um, friend of the show Hunter had brought this up in a separate chat that I was having with him at some point. He said, man, it would be cool if, if they were down to do it, if they had done a, 
almost like some more flashbacks with with Hank and, and Jan back in the day with their whole Ant Man and Wasping stuff. Just like that would be that would be pretty cool. I would like something like that, but that was a digression. But in terms of this movie itself and what what Hank's uh, situation is, I do think you are onto something with the canoodling. And if there is what is or was some type of canoodling, how does Hank react to that? That should be pretty fun because it feels like I Jan's going to get yeah. found out in this situation. I mean, Michael Douglas's entire like prime as an actor <laughs> was either him cheating on with someone or being cheated on. The man is like... I think the reason he doesn't want to be another Ant-Man is he's like, I can't believe you guys are making all these movies where no one has sex. Um, that's a bad impression, but he has, he's one of the few people that's like, he's a leading man with a really high-pitched voice, but no one thinks about it that way because he still sounds cool, but anyway. Um, which so I respect him, but anyway, that uh, <laughs> I think that he can really play the shit out of like, Janet, what were you doing down here? You know, um, God, I really just gotta stop doing impressions. Uh, but yeah, I think that he's, I want him to have something to do, and frankly, I think that it would be completely appropriate if he died in this because I don't know how much of an arc he has left. Um, right. Not that not, he can't make new things. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a proponent of like, wherever anyone says like, this story's over, it's like, sure, but you can always make up new shit. Like, we, it's not like we know his entire life story, but I think that his kind of life's his goal from the moment he lost Janet was to get her back. And so if if there's some more revelations about Janet, which there obviously will be, I think that that could be a nice bookend to his story that like, he thought that his great triumph was getting Janet back, but maybe there were some strings attached to that. Maybe there's more going on, you know? Um, I think that there's some interesting stuff that could happen. And I do agree with you about the, you and Hunter about the, you know, back in the day, Ant-Man and the Wasp type thing. I would love for them to do that. If they were to do it, I would very much like them to, cast younger actors to play uh, mm-hmm. the younger because my new take now is if it's more than five minutes, I don't want to see any de-aging. Get that out of here. It doesn't look as good as people think. The Michael Douglas stuff, the stuff in the Ant-Man movies, it looks better than you think it would. It doesn't look real. Come on. Like, I know what Michael Douglas looked like in 1991. He didn't look like that. Oh, right. come on. That's, that's probably stupid. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. But the other, now the other person in that couple, we talked about it a lot in different ways. But Janet, I think this is the biggest wild card because we really have not spent much time with her as a character at all. Yeah, uh, the yeah her story is going to be something. You have the you have the Kang element of it. How what does she know about him? And it seems like she's really terrified of him. So that kind of says enough on its own. And in her own relations to everybody and coming back and dealing with that and, you know, holding on to whatever she is holding on to in terms of what her experience was in the quantum realm should provide for some some lifting from Michelle Pfeiffer, which I don't mind because it's Michelle Pfeiffer. So I think she's going to do a, I think she's going to do a pretty good job. I expect nothing but good things from her. So I think in terms of storytelling, I think they have something there that they can lean on here for a good portion of the movie, especially as we kind of get a little bit of a a different person's perspective on who Kang is. And we see that when we see that through Jan's eyes, that should kind of color what Kang is for, for other people as we might just see 
Kang as however he is and how he chooses to portray himself, but seeing somebody else who spent time with him will give a little bit more of a background and a little bit more of an idea of how dangerous he truly is. So you have that. And then, you know, Jan, as you know, you mentioned with hope and Hank, those two characters specifically and how she deals with her, the time spent and what that will look like. I think, I think more so than anything else from a supporting character standpoint, it feels like Jan has a, very big part to play in this movie. So I'm excited to see what that is going to look like. Yeah. And, and I hope that Michelle Pfeiffer is giving it her all. The thing is, I like, I, I, I think one of two ways, I think she either can like really commit and kill it. And I do also think that there's a universe where she kind of phones it in and that's okay. There's not, I mean, there's obviously something wrong with a phone in, mm-hmm. but like there obviously have been plenty of phone in performances in big superhero movies. So I, I hope we're getting, a fully committed one. And I will also know about phone performances. Sometimes it's okay. Like if Tommy Lee Jones phones in Captain America, the first Avenger, which he did, Tommy Lee Jones phoning in something is still great. But Michelle Pfeiffer is such a, I think she's such a emotional actress. And I don't mean to say that she's, I think that she's so internal that like, if she's phoning in, it actually really sucks. So I really hope that she's really engaged in the material. Um, I mean, she's not being engaged in the material. It's fucking Ant-Man and they're in the quantum realm. So she's like a seven-year-old woman. She shouldn't be engaged with the material, but I hope that she's actually trying. Um, <laughs> and I, I hope that there's a, I hope that there's a lot of good subtext. And I hope that she, um, you know, I, I, I really want to, I'm very interested in this character because uh, a lot of these characters in the MCU have gone through a lot of shit, but being stuck yeah. in the quantum realm for 30 years is more like, that's some real, you know, obviously the whole world went away for five years, but that was a snap, you know? Um, but anyway, the final major character that is returning is Cassie Lang, who was previously portrayed by Abby Ryder Fortson, who I originally was going to come on here and say took a massive L because like, where the hell is she? Turns out she's going to be the star of the uh, new movie version of Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. So she's good. I was worried that she kind of was, you know, screwed, but she's going to be a big motion picture. She's good for her. She honestly is actually really great in the first 10 Ant-Man movies. And this is coming from a guy who hates children performances. Hmm. Um, this is a thing that I'm no... It's right on. It's like my second line of biography. It's like Jay Christie, born in Florida, lives in New York, hates child performances. But I think that there's a lot, we, a lot of wild cards. We don't know. We know that she, from the trailers, we know that she's kind of getting some trouble, um, maybe with the law. She's rebellious. Um, and the new actress, Catherine Newton's playing her. Um, I'm just interested to see how. Not, not obviously how she interacts with Scott because that's like gonna be the central relationship of the movie. But who is she? Like as a part, like what is her deal? What's her personality? Clearly, she's interested enough in this technology that she's able to make a mistake big enough to open up the quantum realm. But like, I want to know what her. We kind of it's kind of easy to guess how Scott feels about his the five years where he was not able to be with her but like how was she affected by the blip how was she affected by scott not being there what is you know i think there's a lot of questions that we just don't have the answers to and i think that the specifics of those and i hope that there are specifics i hope that they don't just kind of paint with a broad brush i think the specifics of those are really what's going to call the relationship with her and scott because scott's mostly the same guy but she was 10 the last time we saw her she's a completely different person yeah firstly Catherine newton is the new tom holland a with the the energy that she does in some of these interviews, and also she seems to 
be very, very much on the close, uh, getting close to giving up major things by accident. Yes. She did it. She did it with a Fandango interview where mm-hmm. she talked about some a certain type of drink in the quantum realm in order to hear people speak properly. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Paul Rudd shot a look at her like, oh, well, you know, I don't think that's something that we need to talk about. And also uh, important about Catherine Newton, almost a scratch golfer. Just FYI. No, how about but that? Just, I mean. That's incredible. I mean, I mean but, that's uh, no. I mean, yeah. yeah, that's a that's pretty awesome. But um, yeah, as far not as, something you expect to hear about a twenty six year old starlet, but you know what happens. No, <laughs> no, no, not at all. Uh, yeah, with and and the other thing, the other thing with her, and I think that makes me excited to see her play, Cassie is. She seems very excited to do this. Yes. And that yep, yep, is yep. the number one thing that you kind of look for when you bring somebody new into this is that they're interested and intrigued in actually playing the role and playing it well. And mm-hmm. so like if, from a story perspective, so this is another person who in uniform goes by the code name Stature and is another member of the future Young Avengers. And now we've seen a bunch of these kids Mm -hmm. pop up in different things so starting her journey as a hero here just as interesting on its own her relationship with scott and how that develops throughout and her having to kind of you know step into something huge big shoes in this in this situation well well, little shoes technically well that's that's that's, 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 that's no 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 you're you're 100 (laughs) right on there she is she's gets to be put into a very crucial and integral spot here and mm. that's very exciting on its own because as Peyton Reed said before i think it's fun to put these characters these first two movies very low stakes overall <laughs> a lot of fun you really mm. enjoy the interplay between the characters and seeing their relationships and and that being more of a central focus. Now you hope that central focus remains that fact, but also you're dealing with a pretty significant threat. Mm-hmm. So with that adds the tension and kind of the complication that you mentioned earlier with Scott. So I that part clearly seems like something with Cassie being mm-hmm. forced to be in that role immediately. And it seems as though that's something that she's ready for and that she wants to take on, but then kind of dealing with her kind of absentee dad to a degree kind mm-hmm. of puts a little wrench into yeah. that. So I'm, I want to see where that, where that goes. I have a question. Cause I might've missed something. Is it, do we know uh, which of either did you, did Judy Greer or Bobby Cannavale get snapped of why do we know? Not officially. I think that I feel like okay. that's something that, that I feel like that's something I have to look up and I and I don't yeah. know or think that they're in this film. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think they are either, um, which is unfortunate because I've said and I do mean this. I think that the arc that Bobby Cannavale and Paul Rudd have in the two Man movies is, I say with no exaggeration, legitimately wonderful. And I think <laughs> a good balm to, I think, um, I say this as someone whose parents are still together, but I legitimately resent how step parents are portrayed in movies and TV. Obviously, there are plenty of bad step parents, but it's also like if you're, you know, I just I don't I, I like the idea that he starts off kind of mad at Scott, and you're like, don't be mad at Scott. He's the main character, but then you're like, oh wait, no, this is the guy who's just in jail 
and this little girl who I love, he's not able to provide for her. Like Scott is a shitty dad, you know? And it's like, but then when Scott starts to clean up his act, he starts to, right. he's not unreasonable, which I like that. He, he actually does have uh, Cassie's interest at heart, which once again, I think is a, a very, it's a character that could be pl- kept as unsympathetic the whole time, but he is actually completely reasonable and is actually just looking out for uh, his stepdaughter. So shouts to Bobby Cannavale. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah, yeah a big fan. I hope if he's not in this movie, I hope he's bring him back. I mean, he's always nice to see. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm just, I, you know, uh, but yeah, I think that Cassie is, yeah, she's the wild card. I'm like, I'm really excited for Catherine Newton. The only complaint I have is I uh, frankly think she's too old to play the role, but that's whatever. Hollywood loves to cast 26 year olds as 18 year olds. It's fine. Um, yeah. I know why they do it because they're just better at acting and they look better because they don't have acne, but <laughs> it is kind of like, like I just, I'm young enough where I remember what 18 year olds look like. And I'm like, this just isn't, that's not what 18 year olds She's just not, <laughs> not what 18 year olds look like. I'm sorry. Like that was honestly one of the great things about Miss Marvel was like, Oh, mom funny looks like she's, you know, she, she could be 15. Um, but I'm excited to see. And I, I, I wanted to take the time in this podcast to talk about the characters because I think yeah. that so much is going to be made of the world of the quantum realm of all these Easter eggs and stuff like that. And I think that should the movie not be good or not as good as I want it to be, it mm-hmm. is going to be because the character moments get lost in the quantum realm of it all. Because the thing, I think you and I both know this, that like good science fiction is only so much about the world. If it doesn't have strong characters reacting to it and like yeah. it's being affected by it, it's nothing. And so I hope that the intricacies of the quantum realm don't swallow up the narrative between these characters because Easter eggs and cool designs and like weird time stuff that doesn't make a plot characters make plot. And so I I, I'm hoping that we can have some of these issues resolved. Obviously I don't think everything we talked about will be addressed in the film, but I hope that we have some of these things because having these relationship issues in general is interesting but then putting them in the high stakes environment of being in the quantum realm that's where you're cooking with with you know the old fish grease as you would like to say well yes and i think this film definitely has the feel of maybe not all the way avengers like but spectacle in its own because just the way that the wording in promotion uh welcome to a new dynasty this feels like a Kang vehicle. It really does. And you can make the argument that you, and you made it well here, is that the movie can, there's going to be a chance that this can get lost in the quantum realm of it all and the Kang of it all, to be honest. I have been thinking about this for a little bit and I've been doing a lot of because Jonathan Major says I've gotten to read his interviews and gotten to learn more about him and his and his process and how he does these things. Um, there's a really good there's a really good YouTube interview that he did about Magazine Dreams and that premiered at Sundance and kind of his thought process behind that. And if you get into that part of what he does, you can see why 
everybody talks about him in a certain way. I like Peyton Reed even mentioned it. Like when he comes on set, he just brought this very force of nature type of personality and persona to the set. And it kind of changed the dynamic of what the film is on its own because of his own gravitas. So that mix on its own, while his performance is probably going to be awesome and it's going to be interesting and it's going to be something that we all look forward to, I think to your point, it could undercut some of the character stuff that we've been used to with Ant-Man and the Wasp. So Mm. I think it's a very fair point made by you and I want to see where that mixes. Yeah. Because it does feel like they have and and I emphasize they in Marvel have presented this as a Kang vehicle. Yes. So And I'm it, sure it is. Right. So when they do something like that, you kind of expect it to be that. So where that where that goes and where that leaves Ant-Man and the rest of his family, well, that remains yeah. to be seen, but I'm excited to find out. Yes. And the thing is, it's not like if it's a Kang vehicle, it can't also resolve these character things. I think the two, ver- the two versions of the movie that could exist, and I will like both these versions because it's a Marvel movie and it, I'm mm-hmm. a pagan and slop, but I think that the version that is the good version of well the bad version of it is that you have these characters that have these problems like interpersonal problems and then kang happens and those two things happen side by side and what happens then is it doesn't feel cathartic it feels like they're trying to jam in emotional plot lines into an act yada 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 what the version that works better is that these characters have these unresolved issues they go into the quantum realm and kang's presence is a catalyst for those issues having to come to the fore and i think that that yeah. is kind of what you want to do with any sort of story like this if you're gonna have a big bad you want the big bad's badness to be something that requires catharsis for the characters. And so I mm-hmm. think that if the emotional storyline is just running parallel to the Kang storyline, that's kind of be a bit of a disappointment. But, and I think the Janet one is the one that is definitely going to work out with because she was in the quantum realm, that obviously the Kang storyline and her storyline of like what she's hiding, obviously are going to c- come together because right. that's the same thing. But I hope that there are ways that the decisions Scott might have to make or the decisions Cassie might have to make also intertwine with their relationship, et cetera, et cetera. Now, once again, we are talking about a movie that people have already seen and so these things aren't hypothetical this movie exists um mm-hmm. so i'm um, yeah. these are things i'm hoping for um and yeah I, I i'm really excited to see what they do i'm excited to see what where the dust settles what characters are still alive what characters aren't what decisions have to be made um and not just with kang i think we we know that kang is going to be you know you know a big deal no matter what we really but we don't know what the situation is going to be with all these other characters and so i'm excited to see um what i end up finding out uh, when I sit down at that screening at 7 p.m. on Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, mine currently is tentatively scheduled for Thursday at 3 p.m. However, I do have a I, I do have an impending child. Uh, his name mm-hmm. is Miles, and uh, he'll be showing up at some point soon. So we'll we will have to see what happens, and we're gonna play it by ear. But one way or another, I'm gonna try and make make yes. my way. To a podcast, a review podcast will come out on Tuesday morning. Yes. What AC is going to have to do in order to make that happen is between him and, and the people in his life. But yeah, we're going gonna... to find out. We'll, we'll work it out one way or another. Um, and I'm, I, I'm looking forward to Phase 5 getting kicked off because I feel like the way that it has been built, uh, built and built to this point, Phase 4 was about 
reintroduction and introducing new characters and now phase five we can just go and it seems like that seems to be the plan as we go with some really more high stakes storylines and some stuff that's going to carry through to follow into different projects but more so than anything else i think it's going to be exciting to see scott and the gang uh back together again in this movie and see what the quantum realm has to offer all of the other characters what's bill murray's role what's he doing in there uh well william jackson harper's in this movie so what is his role in there as well oh of course there's modok which is spoiler Uh, is going to be uh yellow jacket aka darren cross Um, yeah that's true that's true good excited for that yeah so there's there's a lot of stuff cooking with Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania. It should be a lot of fun, and we, we as a show are looking forward to talking about this movie when it has been seen. But in the meantime, uh, we do, before we go, I do have to say, because I didn't mention it at the top, it's a little rustiness because we haven't been on in a little bit, but we do have a Patreon, patreon.com slash mcuniversitypod, where you can get all of our bonus content, get into the Discord, not only we have uh, ridiculous conversations and have fun stuff, you could submit to our subscriber mailbag, which we do monthly. We talk about everything, not only MCU, but outside the MCU. The NBA trade deadline was a lot of wackiness over the past uh, day or so. Or well, really the past four to five days to a week. Uh, we talk about that too. And every so, every now and then I'll, I'll, I'll drop a little something, like a, a little nugget of things to to come in the comic book uh, movie world. So it's, it's yep. a, if you want to support us, we appreciate you. Just, and you it's just $3, do. just $3, it, right. to get $3. You get the discord and all of our bonus episodes. And then $8, you get the discord, our bonus episodes, a special discord room, a free sticker, a chance it entered into a ticket giveaway and mm-hmm. uh, a couple other things that are on the website. The, it'll be, it's worth your time. But we're currently doing a thing where we're in, uh, patrons choice episode sorry avengers choice episode which is eight dollar patrons get to pick a bonus episode we do when ac's on paternity leave because mm-hmm. frankly i just need ideas what to do and i want to do something that people want to hear so uh if you're an eight dollar patron you can submit an idea and uh yeah um exciting stuff coming up on the patreon yeah wonderful stuff there and as far as the show goes so we'll we'll be back next week as the Super Bowl is coming this weekend, and there should be at least a few Marvel-related teasers. We'll get even a Flash trailer, so there's that as well. So there's a lot of, at least a lot of previews coming down the pike, so we'll we'll talk about that a little bit next week. And Quantumania, we're trying to, we're trying to find the very best in terms of guests, so um, expect some good people to be on with us for that quantum mania recap as we get ready for the kickoff of phase five of the mcu jake christie a pleasure as always where can we follow you my friend you can follow me at the jake christie and today this friday the same day you're listening to this new podcast starting up uh you guys know i did me and andre barrera went through all of monk and the podcast no funk and strictly Monkin. great show you know, AC, you were tweeting earlier about how you love mystery of the week things. May I introduce you to a little show starring Tony Shalhoub called Monk? Thank you very much. But also, <laughs> but in that same vein, we're starting up 
base frankly is the exact same show but about the show psych it's called love at first psych uh i've seen all the episodes it's one of my favorite shows of all time andre's never seen it we're watching it together going episode by episode two episodes a week um it's a lot of fun if you like if you've watched psych absolutely listen because uh our conversations are honestly not unlike conversations sean and gus would have about pop culture because andre and i are both you know freaking sponges for pop culture bs so uh take a listen to that if you're a fan of the usa network show psych yes yes shout out to that listen to that shout out to andre a friend of the show and that should be a fun podcast and in the meantime you can follow me at anthony canton underscore three on the twitter you can follow the show at mc university pod on instagram also subscribe to our youtube channel MC University Pod, you podcast, you can find that there as well. And yeah, appreciate everybody for supporting and appreciate everybody for listening. We will be back next week for Jay Christie. I am Anthony Canson the third. This has been Marvel Cinematic University, and we will talk to you next time. <laughs>